Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just FYI, you know, I know it's been six months, but I don't feel like editing out all the curse scenes to stop that. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah, we have a – that's what I should tell Max. Uh, we have a, uh, a no cursing rule because uh, – right. um, It makes Chris's Chris life a lot more is... difficult. And, and I, we try to respect that, so I am sorry, Chris. That <laughs> That is on me. I will put money in the swear jar. That That is – We want to maintain um, our clean rating on iTunes. And, and also, I'm out of practice. And for that – before we get to that, since I guess we're recording already, hey everybody, <laughs> welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. Joined as always with our producer Chris. Say hi, um, Chris. Hi, Chris. And now joining us is writer for And the Valley Shook, Max Toscano. How's it going, guys? Pretty darn good. And as you can tell, this is a well-oiled machine, which is why <laughs> we haven't done a podcast in six months. So yeah, l- let's get into that. Um, we yeah, pandemic happened, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, I went into a little bit of hiding because. I was taking a mental health break because I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, global pandemics. As a general rule, I'm going to come out strong against them. (laughs) I know it's a risky stand, uh, but yeah, it just seemed silly to talk about LSU sports. And honestly, nothing was happening. And the stuff that was happening, I didn't know anything about because anyone know anything about contact tracing? Anyone? No, but a lot of people became epidemiologists in the last six, seven months. <laughs> yeah, as I said on Facebook, I said um, Facebook University is now uh, granting medical degrees after uh, from their prestigious law college. <laughs> right. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'll be totally on. I, I got a C in freshman biology. More surface area. That's how I got it through. So, yeah, and I guess that's kind of how – We'll start. How do you feel just in general about playing this year? I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard for me to say as not a player because if I were a player, I'd want to be on, on the field. But at the same time, it just feels like this is all going to come crashing down within the next three, four weeks. I mean, we've seen games canceled already. We've seen like entire teams like Tennessee had like everybody go down for uh, COVID or contact tracing. But I mean, if they were willing to push it through all the controversy and everything, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I feel about playing the viruses, according to some of the data, you know, it's better than it was in June, July when a lot of these discussions were, were being had. So I feel certainly feel better about it than I did then, but I don't know. I mean, I reserve the right to be like, yeah, I kind of saw this coming if it all falls apart. 
before LSU Alabama. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of with you. It's just I'm not against it, and I, I do think you bring up a really good point about players wanting to play. I think there was a real movement among players, and you understand it. Uh, this is their livelihood, particularly a lot of guys who are you know juniors and seniors that this is what's going to get them on to the next level. They want to play in the league. They want to play not just because they're football players. They want to play because this is a job interview. Right. And you don't want to take that away from someone. If there's any way to play, I don't want to say you should do it. You know, if there's any way that's, that's taking it too far, but I, there comes a point where I just have to trust doctors. Cause I, I freely admit, I do not know anything about health. Yeah, I'm horribly out of shape. So <laughs> it's I I hurt my back lifting furniture today. So you know I'm just I, I'm a mess. But I do agree that I think what I worry about is not so much COVID. Well, I do worry about COVID. I worry about the kind of the secondary effects of COVID, where you have mm-hmm. a bunch of guys that are eliminated because they've had exposure, and then you only have like seven offensive linemen, and that could lead to a running back getting killed. Yeah. There's players aren't going to be as well conditioned as they were in other seasons. There's going to be a lot of pulled hammies like we're seeing in other sports. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's all real possibility. We also don't know the long-term effects of the thing. So we could find out in 15 years that a lot of kids are screwed up because of it. So, I mean, we didn't know about concussions. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I'm I'm from the era of, you know, rub some dirt on it and go back out there. And now it's like you look back on some of the stuff where we would play. There's no way that would happen today. And it, we're better for it. This is not a in my day, you know, you need to toughen up, you, you youngsters. No, like that's your brain. You know, perhaps if you have a brain bruise, you should sit out for a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I think the big worry is that we just don't know a lot. And I will say I'm more comfortable risking the health of professional athletes. Yeah, um, me too. Especially but, since they have a union and contracts. Yeah, exactly. They have a union. They're well represented. But also, they're they're compensated a lot of money. Right. And yeah, go out there and, and play if you can. And I, I do think the union definitely means a lot because they can say, okay, we want these safety requirements. They've had someone representing that has their back. And I'm not sure in college sports, first off, technically not compensated, but thank you, bag men. We like you. <laughs> um, but technically not compensated, but also who is looking out for their interests? Like what is the, the institutional body that's making sure it's safe for players? I mean, there really isn't that structure. And, and, and that's what, you know, we heard a lot of, talks of especially from the Pac-12 of player unions and obviously I mean I think that would be a good idea there there has to be something I, I don't want to say somebody within the NCAA that looks out for it because I don't trust the NCAA but oh why not <laughs> they have such a great track record <laughs> yeah they uh yeah they're I mean they're the Kremlin of sports so I don't really I don't trust them to look out for the players. Yeah, no, they're they're awful. I I mean, they're they're a terrible organization, and the quicker they get expunged from the universe, the better. But yeah, like, and but I'm looking at it like this: like, even though I'm kind of squishy on whether we should play, 
So we're having it. I'm going to follow it. I, right, I mean, enjoy it. And yeah, and that's the thing is I'm a huge proponent of enjoy things. And if something's happening, it's LSU football, let's just have fun with it. And this whole season's a mulligan. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just taking it out for a spin. It'll be nice to have some game. And honestly, look, we've earned some football. I mean, the last six months have been – they've been bad. Yeah, they've been real bad. <laughs> I mean – yeah, just just everything's terrible. I mean, there are trees exploding. I didn't even know trees could explode. I didn't either. Yeah, I, 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 there, yeah. there's what like nine hurricanes right now. <laughs> I stopped counting at like seventy five thousand. So yeah, it's just there are too many hurricanes. It, it, yeah, it's just everything's bad, and we could use. And honestly, I have to say, like I have enjoyed, you know, the NBA playoffs. I've enjoyed the NHL bubble. Um, it helps that I live in Dallas and I'm married to a Stars fan, so we're really enjoying it. And also, Chris, also a big Stars fan, so yes. How's and that? You, and you know, speaking of hockey, and as a father of a student athlete, albeit in high school, um, who did play over the summer, oh, high school hockey had a summer season here in Dallas. And there was self-reporting by teams to the league if a player had tested positive and then the league would notify the teams that had played against um, that player to say, Hey, just so you know, this kid, you know, or coach actually they, they didn't identify, they didn't identify the personnel like by name yeah, individually. Yeah. Uh, they just said, Hey, someone from this team tested positive, you know, kind of deal. We had one player test positive the entire summer. He sat out for his two weeks. Uh, like he was supposed to, was only a really quote unquote sick for for three days, and I, I use the, the air quotes there because uh, his mother told me his fever never broke a hundred. He just felt really crummy, and, and the test came back positive. So they just said, "Okay, he's got COVID." You know, seeing I, I know I realize this is all anecdotal evidence. You know, just based upon my experiences as, as a student athlete father for the past few months. I'll, I'll be the, the curmudgeon uh, who just says uh, everybody should go back to school and everybody should get out on the field and play. And, and let's just start living our lives again because the younger you are and the better in shape you are, all the evidence thus far says you're much less likely to A, get it, B, suffer greatly while you have it. And Max did uh, allude to we don't quite know what long-term consequences are yet, but what we do know in the short-term consequences is that not much happens. So let's just... Yeah, I had it, and it was not... It was basically just like... It felt like there was a medium-sized dog sitting on my chest for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure I've already had it, too, even though I didn't get tested, because I felt really crummy. I felt like I had the flu without the flu, was what it felt yeah. like for, for me. I never ran a fever, but like everything else I was never there. Ran like, a fever. I had yeah. really bad aches and pains. See, that's what I had, and I had the fever, and I went in and got tested, and I was negative for everything. So, well, well mine was back right at the right at the end of the year, beginning of the year, like before okay. we even really knew about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And my flu test came back negative, so maybe I did have it. That that's yeah. I mean, it's that's exactly what happened. Actually, I had the same thing in February. I had like a really, I had bronchitis. Mm. And the reason, and the way they di- diagnosed me with bronchitis is they gave me the flu test and it came up negative. And they're like, well, 
you've had bronchitis before. This is bronchitis. But looking back on it, it might have been COVID. Right. That, like, it's so not it, scientific when you think about the fact that there was COVID going around. You're like, oh, it's not the flu. Well, <laughs> it was right before the COVID thing happened. Like right. it was. I'm talking yeah. like it was like right before Valentine's Day, and so I was really sick right around then. And yeah, just looking back on it now, you're like, did I have it? Yeah, maybe. maybe. And uh, yeah, but. but I will say from like an opening the school standpoint, um, my wife's a teacher um, and she knows teachers who have caught COVID right before they shut down the Dallas schools. And I think that's more the worry. It's not whether you're, you know, your 10 year old gets it and you know, he's young and healthy and is going to get through. But one of her teachers in her pod got it and mm. he was in a very bad way because um, you 21 year old fit guy, you worked right through it. You know, define fit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> 21 that's fit in my eyes. Just... <laughs> Does your back work? Yeah. But yeah, he I mean, was for now. Yeah. He, he was laid up really badly for about two weeks. Just couldn't do anything. And once again, and freely admit anecdotal. And I don't in any way want to, a, make this a COVID podcast. But B, I also don't want to present myself in any way as some sort of expert. I think people do that way too much on the internet. And I do have concerns, but I actually I have a lot of sympathy for Chris's standpoint of, hey, it's been six months and we haven't done anything. So we might as well just open it up because us all living on our houses and never getting out is having other negative right, repercussions. Right, right. Yes. I'm a big fan of the idea that if people for and this is what's kind of been going on with sports is if people want to opt out they are given you know assurances that it won't hurt them in any way yeah like they won't lose eligibility um or 100 stuff like that you if you want to to shelter yourself and protect yourself if you're vulnerable go for it um you know we need to accommodate people to do that and if you want to kind of live your life then live your life uh, i definitely think we should be wearing masks and everything um as, mu- as many times as I forget my mask in the car and have to go back to get it. But, you know, I it, it's it, I think it is time to, to start not going back to normal, but going back to life. And I think college football is going to be – is I mean, I'm in Connecticut, so nobody cares about it up here. But especially down south and in the Midwest, it's going to be a big deal for people. Yeah, it's, it's part of the fabric of life. And – because of that, I think it's important. I just think people need something good. Right. And, and honestly, it doesn't even matter how they do this year. And I know that – I mean, I, I hate that attitude because that normally means your team's terrible. I think LSU is going to be really, really good. But I'm not as emotionally invested in whether they win at this exact moment. Now, ask me in two weeks. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean you – know, because I was really happy about the hockey playoff started and the caps got eliminated in the first round. I'm a huge caps fan. And I was kind of like, nah, and I was kind of like, whatever it, it, it didn't really, it didn't really phase me. But my wife who's been, you know, watching the stars the whole way. I mean, we were watching the game last night and we were just going nuts the entire game. Right. So w- once a team starts winning, it's, it's hard to stop the juices. I mean, that's why you watch. Yeah, I was kind of rooting for the Rangers to lose because I wanted the number one overall pick. Yeah, that worked out. That worked out well for you. That I haven't celebrated that hard <laughs> during a sporting event since the national championship game. 
and it was during and it was just you know watching these balls bounce around a chamber and some guy in a suit picks it out and just points it at a camera and Gary Bettman just looks at the logo that everybody knows and says yes this is the New York Rangers hey I'm just happy it wasn't the Penguins so that's, that's I, all I, 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 I think we all knew going in it was going to be the Penguins because yeah, that's so. how it works that's how this year was going and it wasn't yeah, that's one of the few things that wasn't terrible this year. The Penguins didn't get the number one pick. That would be like Alabama, for those of you who don't follow hockey. That would be like Alabama getting the number one pick. It would be not right. Like, Well, Alabama does get the number one pick. Yes, they do. They get the number one, the number two, probably the number four, seven, you know, nine, ten picks. Now, see, I think so, you're showing a little recency bias there, though. That's true. Bad-mouthing the Penguins. When we, we both know that the real evil empire in hockey is the Detroit Red Wings. So. Oh, they've been they, yeah, they got, I, got shafted in the lottery. I mean, they had one of the if they if they had finished an 82 game season, it would have had one of the worst years in recent memory and then are picking what four? That's beautiful. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is where we bore everyone. But heck, I, you know, heck, uh, we'll talk hockey for a little bit cuz we're all hockey fans. I have to say, as a Caps fan, no, my hatred of the Penguins really goes back 20, 30 years. It's, it, this is not a new thing. Yes, but I'm, I'm, ta- I mean, I'm talking to you the all-encompassing you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. history of the sport, just like the Yankees of the evil empire I mean, in Major League well, Baseball that we all have. Honestly, you know? it used to be the Canadians. And, yeah, it used to be the Canadians. Yeah. And yeah, Max has no, has no recollection of the Canadians being the evil empire. I mean, when I, when I, like, when I first started watching hockey – it was Yarmir Yager was with the Rangers. The Canadians were nothing. Well, so I mean, been since so, yeah, so. the Penguins are my evil empire at this point. Actually, I, this gets. I want to tie this into college football. So I'm kind of curious about this. What is your? So you're 21. So what is your impression of the Miami Hurricanes as a program? I mean, I understand. I certainly understand the history, and they were honestly just, you know. Okay, not great. I mean, they were okay in the early 2010s. They had a couple. They had a couple good quarterbacks. I'm a big quarterback guy, so I remember teams by their quarterbacks. Because I have a theory about the Hurricanes that the only people who think that they're a great pro, a truly great top tier program, are those who were watching football in the 80s. Because it's really just a 10, 15 year window when they were truly great, and it's just that window. So really. Only Gen X fans, because if you were 30 years old in the 80s, Miami is some young upstart. And yeah, they got good, but that was just a period. And if you were too young for that window, well, yeah, that's something that happened a while ago. I really think it's just people my age who are like, yeah, the Miami Hurricanes are supposed to be one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I don't feel that at all. I don't yeah. feel like college football is better for having Miami. I'm like, it's been pretty good. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. It's and honestly, it was just the eighties were really weird. The, it, it was an incredibly transitory period in college football history, and just everything broke down. And Miami was the team that most took advantage of it. I think that's a good way to put it too, because uh, you know I'm a Gen Xer like you are, and I don't think that Miami was one of the top teams of all time, even during that period. Were they the best in the nation during that period? Sure. But I, I think, like you said, it was a transition kind of period. They took advantage of it. But then again, look at who they played week in and week out. 
it's hey. really easy to get up for one or two big games a year and just, you know, when you're crushing the rest of the pathetic competition of your conference. You know what I'm saying? Actually, what's really crazy about that era, this is how crazy the 80s were. When Alabama went undefeated in 1991, one writer voted for them number one all season long, and he was considered crazy. <laughs> Everyone's like, how could you be voting for Alabama? Like, they're a nothing program. They're from a long time ago. And that's when Alabama won that Sugar Bowl over Miami. And can you imagine college foot, a college football world in which voting for Alabama number one was considered not just the minority opinion, it was considered crazy. That was kind of the case as recently as the, the 2000s, which, granted, I still don't remember anything because I started watching college football in 2010 because I, <sighs> I watched the NFL when I was little and then I okay. got to yeah. college. I first picked a team in 2010. I watched somewhat casually. in I watched the Tebow years because I like Tim Tebow. All right, that's uh, fair. All right, he, was, he was a fun player. But... So all I remember is Saban Bama, and that sucks. Yeah, it is. It has not been good for us. So with that, let's talk a little bit about this year's team. And it's basically a giant question mark. Almost nobody returns from the starting lineup. And they're tearing up in the pros. So I, I kind of think uh, LSU last year might have done okay against uh, some of the crappier uh, NFL teams. I mean, you... I, I don't know. I, I, I want that question answered finally so badly. I just I just need a Hall of Fame game between last year's LSU team and the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, yeah, I mean, you, you watch that Bengals game and you're like, I kind of think the offensive line last year was better. It, I, it, I mean, that, that, that Bengals, t- like, there were a lot of pieces after there was the whole, all the, the you know, ginned up discussion about Burrow demanding to go to somewhere else. And then there were a bunch of pieces about like, actually the Bengals have a better situation than the dolphins. And it's not true. It's not true. It's God, yeah. Hey God, they're, I, I mean, it was, their line is shockingly bad. And that's normally the difference between college and NFL. Like, because if you look at it, like guys graduate from college or even leave early at, I call it the glamor positions and they can hang in the NFL right away. You know, yeah. a wide receiver comes out, he can play right away. A running back comes out, he can be great right, right away. Even a, like a defensive back can do it. But defensive linemen, offensive linemen, you, you just need some years just to become a full-grown man. And yeah, you have to adjust to the fact that the other people are that you are running directly into are stronger with a little bit of finesse. If, you run, if, if you're like a receiver and you run a 4-4 and you're very agile and sudden, you're going to be able to generate some separation. I mean, it's going to be harder to fight through presses. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not, not going to be a get behind not... guys as easily, but still, it's 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 certainly a less unforgiving adjustment. But yeah, yeah, I, the, the I, gap between college and pros tends to be the lines. That's the big difference, right? That and quarterback play. You, you need an elite quarterback, but yeah. Joe Burrow is showing that he can, you know, be at that level. I think you need a quarterback less in the NFL than you do in college. <sighs> I mean, Josh Allen's in the playoffs last year, and I'm going to yeah. look like an idiot saying that right now because he was fantastic today. But, like, he was, for the first time, I think, in his career, actually really good. I, I know. It's still it's still I a quarterback league. a lot of old tweets. It, it, it's still a quarterback league. It's just 
It is. It's still a quarterback league, but in college, if you do not have a that great quarterback, you're doing you're you're not you're not winning in the college football playoff. And even if you do, well, and also that's a very recent adjustment because if you look, you know, ten years ago, that you is, know, LSU was winning national. Totally you know, LSU went to the national championship game in 2011 with you know Jefferson and Lee. Right. So it's not. We tend to think of that as a different era of football, and it kind of is. It's just that we've run in the last couple of years just with these phenomenal quarterbacks kind of right on top of each other. So I I don't know if this is a blip or if it's a structural change in college football. It's one of those things where it kind of bears watching. But right now, you're right. Like Clemson is the odds-on favorite because they have Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is – I'm making a point this year to watch – unless there's an overwhelming – other slate of games. I'm going to watch Clemson games because I want to watch Trevor Lawrence. And it's, I still, I mean, Burroughs was better, but it's the thing about Trevor Lawrence is he, he doesn't miss whatsoever. He has the arm to put the ball to any inch of the field. And he also runs like a four or five. Yeah. I think think he might run if he, I don't think he's going to run at the combine, but I think he could run like a four or five. I think Burrow is a better runner because he's more situational, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. his spatial awareness in the pocket is a lot better. His mechanics are hold up under pressure a little bit better. And, um, and also he's a his – processor. And also, his yeah, his run to the sticks. I mean, Burrow, when he put his head down, he, he ran like a running back. Yeah, that was – a, a lot of time being a great running back is not about straight line speed. It's That's true. And – I do think Lawrence is faster, but I think Burrow was a better runner just because of how it was his awareness. He, you know, he's just such a, he was such a smart player, and that's what LSU is truly going to miss this season. And that's not a knock on Miles Brennan. I think Miles Brennan is going to be fine, but after Joe Burrow, fine is not going to feel good. Right? He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna start a game zero for four, and we're all gonna freak out. Yeah, it's like, this guy's terrible. How could he miss the – and that's what most quarterbacks are. Right. And – So most good quarterbacks are. Yeah. Like, I mean, Joe Burrow last year completed 76% of his passes. That's insane. And like that, it, At one of the lowest screen rates in the country. Yeah. And he, was make, he was making real reads. He was, he was going through full field five-man progressions on every drop back – under pressure, it didn't matter, and he was he was always going to find that guy, and he was so accurate that all the guy needed was a step or some kind of favorable body positioning, and you can't blanket – you basically would – to theoretically stop last year's LSU offense, you would have to get pressure with like two or three guys and put Burrow on the ground, which is very hard because he's very elusive, or you would have to bracket every eligible receiver, which you can't do because you don't have enough guys. Yeah, it was sort of like how everybody thought Auburn had figured out how to beat LSU's offense. And in a way, they had, but you had to have Auburn's defensive line. That's true. I mean, they, could, they could generate pressure with two, three guys. guys. And no one else could do that because no one else had Auburn, you know, no one else had three NFL guys on their front three. I mean, I had a lot of respect for what Auburn did because what they did is they looked at their personnel and said, hey, what's the best way to adjust to that, to this? machine and i think the difference is with lsu this year i don't think teams are going to have to do that 
you know, they're yeah. going to be able to Something they're going to be able to run their normal coverage. And you know, they're going to you know, look, Miles Brennan's going to take sacks. He's going to throw interceptions. It's I think something it's going to be hard for LSU fans to adjust to having a normal quarterback. That said, how good do you think Miles Brennan can be? Well, I think it's I think it's going to be a little bit tougher this offseason because it's been so abridged and stunted. Uh, but Miles Brennan has the talent to be legitimately very good, especially in what is a really well-designed system and what is still a very good group of of pass catchers. Let's not forget that he adds something that Joe Burrow did not have, which is Eric Gilbert, which is one of the more unique and imposing weapons that LSU has ever put on the field offensively. Yeah. Uh, so um, he's going to he's going to have that weapon up the seam that can just body anybody and if you just put it out in front of him a little bit nobody's going to be able to reach around him or knock him off his route stem or anything it's it's so, so i certainly would have loved to see not that there was another gear to what burrow could have done but i would it would have been cool to see how the offense changed with eric gilbert so he does have that um i think he can i think he can be really good i certainly think he's going to be prolific because they're going to throw a lot but He's going to make a lot of, I think, a lot of harebrained mistakes. I think he he's going to approach or th- throw double-digit interceptions, which is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people. But, I mean, I'm just I'm honestly just excited to see him play because I've been so hyped about him since he was a yeah. senior in high school. You kind of feel like, bad for the guy. It. It's going to happen. All right, it's, 20, it's 2018. Danny Etling has graduated. And we are going into spring practice. Miles Brennan, it's finally going to be the guy. I haven't been this excited about a quarterback recruit in, like, forever. And then Joe Burrow comes in, and I get excited about Burrow. And then he ends up great. And Miles Brennan just sits there for two years. Yeah, his patience. It's amazing he hung around. Uh, I think LSU was very lucky. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I want to see him rewarded so much for that with just – because you know he's going to put in the work. You know he's going to be focused. You know he's going to do everything right. So I think if the offensive line is even serviceable, yeah, I think he's going to be good. And I think the offense is going to be good. Yeah, because it's like this is definitely the era of the of the transfer quarterback. And, you know, if you don't start right away as a freshman, you're look, your eye in the door. And for Miles Brennan to stick around for two years while Joe Burrow – you know, did Joe Burrow things speaks a lot to Miles Brennan's character, right? And he stuck through the coaching transition. Yeah, he, he originally yeah. A Miles recruit. And and this isn't to say that people who transfer out have bad character. I, I get it. Like, but there is something to. But I do think we should say nice things about guys who actually do. Right. Stay. Exactly. There, there is something to be said for that. He showed loyalty to this program, and I really wanted to work out for him. He, he's a guy that I'm truly rooting for. I kind of wish he had gotten the number 18. Um, yeah, and I think I think there's honestly a good chance he gets it next year. Yeah, I think there is. But then again, Chris Curry's story is, you know, kind of, he, he's, you know. He's he, kind of another Miles Brennan, at least in terms of the yeah. I mean. Yeah, he, well, Curry's, you know, still pretty young. And that that's yeah. a crowded backfield. And remember, last year we were talking about, at this time, well, not at this time last year, you know, but before the season last year, we were talking about all these backs about how they were better than Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I know we were talking about Clyde getting displaced, and 
Yeah, Clyde. You know, Clyde will be the starter for the first couple of games, and then he's going to get overtaken by these other guys. And it didn't happen because Clyde is amazing and my favorite LSU player ever. But that doesn't mean that these other guys aren't really good. They're still the same guys we thought they were last year. Right. That's that's true. That and that just goes to show how ridiculous. Clyde Edwards Elair was you couldn't take him off the field. Yeah, he, he, I think the difference between him and like Curry and Emery and Davis is Clyde could do it all. Like when he was on the field, it didn't tip LSU's hand of what they were running. Right. Well, th- that's the thing about the whole offense is they never actually had to substitute because they could run their entire offense from eleven personnel with the same players. Yeah, and I think the running back rotation. There's a little bit of difference between the guys. I, I mean, yeah, there definitely is. You know, Davis, I have is more of a power back. Emery, I think, is going to be better catching the ball out of the backfield. I think Curry's the most uh, versatile. I don't know which one of them can pass block. That's going to be a huge, huge deal. Yeah, um, and they're going to actually have to do it this year, which Clyde did not like at all. They because they were in empty protections almost the entire yeah, year. And and you can't do that with. A guy who's – I know he's not a freshman, but he's still a first-year quarterback. Well, right, and I, mean, I, I, I wrote I – wrote, that's one of the things. first things I wrote about is that the fact that Joe Burrow's escapability and pocket awareness and processing and everything is basically a six protector because that free rusher is accounted for by Joe Burrow. Yeah. And Miles Brennan is – he's not – he's not Zach Mettenberger where he's wearing 30-pound cement shoes, but he can – he can't. He he's gonna end. He's kind of gonna end up like Joe Burrow when he uh, in on Thursday Night Football and he tried to spin that guy out like he could in college and he got ripped down. It, I feel like that's gonna happen a lot if he's dealing with a ton of free rushers. Yeah, Do you guys I, I think, think that Miles Brennan in twenty twenty is gonna be like Joe Burrow in twenty eighteen or less than Joe Burrow in twenty eighteen. I think that's tough. Because the offense is going to be way different because we're keeping last year's offense as opposed to that one. Right. The offensive line hopefully is going to be better. It was a train wreck in 2018. So it, I, I think it'll be different. I think he'll throw more. I think he'll kind of, kind of connect on a lot more big plays. It's just it, it, it's going to be a a I'm trying to think of who to compare it to. Just a high. I think it's going to be a high volume season for him. I'll say, yeah, I think there's going to be more risk and more more reward. But that also means there's going to be more downside plays. Yeah. Uh, I think in 2018, they played it close to the vest. And he they're not going to. Joe Burrow was Danny Etling for like three quarters of the year. And, and look, I love that Georgia game in 2018 where he just ran it down their throats. But if Miles Brennan is doing that, we've got serious problems. Yeah, I and mean, Joe Burrow wasn't like. He was not, as a passer, he was not exactly good in that game. No, no, he just ran the ball, and it was great. I I love that game so much. He showed so much toughness. I mean, that is the Joe Burrow. I mean, that's the one that showed his heart, and I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. I I mean, I like guys who are willing to throw a body out there, particularly when he's a quarterback. I don't want Brennan doing that. But Brennan is – but Brennan's going to get the – the advantage of the 2019 offense. That's yeah. Yeah. And Eric Gilbert. Yeah. And NFL tight end. That's going to help. Look, you know, Burrow had Thaddeus Moss, who's not Eric Gilbert, but still very good tight end. 
I think the one difference is he's not going to have the security blanket of Jamar Chase. And And, when you watched a game, Jamar Chase was open on every play. And I mean that literally. You could have thrown the ball to Jamar Chase every down and he was going to come down with it. You're still it, gonna, you would throw for 350 if you did that. Yeah, it, it, he was would still be pretty effective. And the, it's I still uh, the thing is I think Eric Gilbert is eventually going to be that guy. Because yeah. I don't I don't know a single player in college football except for maybe Isaiah Simmons who's gone who could who could cover him. I don't know if that's going to be the case right away. Maybe it will be. Um yeah. but Right. I was looking forward to him throwing to Jamar Chase for his first year. But as Eric Gilbert grew with him. Yeah, I think that's the thing is how quickly does Eric Gilbert become our version of Megatron? I mean, it might um, ha- it might happen very soon. He's 250 pounds. Yeah, he, high school. and they're raving about him. I mean, everyone in practice. But, you know, once again, everything said in practice, you take yeah. with a gigantic. They were raving about DJ Chark for three years before he played. Hey, but when DJ Chark did play. <laughs> Good. And yeah, and look, the wide receiver core, I mean, Terrace Marshall got no problems there. And there's just a lot of young talent. I, I mean, I like McMath to damn him with the Clyde Edwards Hilaire praise. Yeah. I expect guys to pass him on the depth chart. But on the flip side, if McMath, look, a lot of times he could have the DJ Chark kind of career where he busts out his senior year. That is not an uncommon career path where you're just kind of a guy on the roster and then senior year, you finally get your chance to start and you know, you put up 800 yards. Racy. The thing about Racy McMath, that's slightly different from Clyde is that you can tell just on a physical level that he is very, very gifted. Clyde Edward Zeller is not, I mean, you know, he's, we always talk about the size. I don't really care about that in a running back because like he says, calls don't open vertically, but he's all, he, he doesn't have a, he does, yeah. He's not a burner. He's not Travis Etienne. No, he gets caught from behind a lot. If you watch, if you watch games last year, which I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this did, Clyde, he would break through the hole, but he would get 20 yard gains. He wouldn't get 50 yard gains. Right, and Leonard Fournette would never get caught on those. And I and I remember watching him get caught on those. I was and I would think, you know, oh, Leonard Fournette or trying to, yes, well, guys, Michael, Michael <laughs> Ford wouldn't have gotten caught. Trying to think of all the really fast backs LSU's had. Yeah, Spencer Ware wouldn't get called on those kind of things. Right. I mean, well, Spencer Ware got a lot faster when he got to the NFL, but like he did. Yeah, but it's, it's crazy. He lost like thirty pounds. You know, and Justin Vincent in his freshman year wouldn't have been caught. <laughs> Jeremy Hill wouldn't have been caught. Uh, but you know, so but you look at the wide receiver depth chart. There's just so much talent there, and that's what you want. You know, it's you know. You know, iron sharpens iron kind of stuff where it's just like you look at there and you're just you can see three or four guys who are lower on the depth chart who could be starting at the year's end. Like who's going to be the Thaddeus Moss or you know, the Terrace Marshall? We, you know, he wasn't that high on the depth chart last year. And I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, but he was definitely back in the pecking order. And he really established himself as one of that trio. Right. And he's he he's he's definitely got an NFL receiver's body, and he's obviously super super talented. I I mean, Kayshawn Boutte is really really good. The thing is, I think I think McMath may be he may be too good to take off the field. I, I guess yeah. he he is big, he's strong, he's like two twenty or something. 
He's almost like Chase Claypool was for Notre Dame. I mean, I think he's almost he could be that kind of player. Yeah, I think the six three parts is, is what's going to play for for yeah. receiving math, and he's he's tall and big, and that matters. Yeah, and as you keep going down the roster, you know, you you look at the line, and God, that's where the trouble begins. Yeah, you know, about the line. I, I, I've you know I got faith in Ed Ingram. And I like Austin Deculus, who, you know, play at right tackle. And then after that, I mean, we've been waiting on Darry Rosenthal for a while. It seems longer. I mean, he's only a sophomore, but it seems like he's been in the program for four years. Um, I guess Chasen Hines or Cardell Thomas is going to start the right guard. And that's uh, yeah, gonna... Chasen Hines is going to start the guard. Uh, Liam Shanahan is going to start at center. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that worries me. They, 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 I, I kind of trust Ed Orgeron on his assessments of how things are going in practice. He's a lot more honest, yeah, than Miles was. Not to say Miles was some deviant liar, but like Orgeron is not afraid to kind of not use the press, but say in the press that a a group is lagging behind. Yeah, that's true. And when he, he was saying that a little bit about the offensive line at times, if I remember correctly, last offseason, I was like, uh-oh. But, yeah. And, and so – but he's been raving about the offensive line lately. Not raving, but he's been he's been a lot more comfortable than I would think. I, I think what's the difference is, is before it was such a mash unit from like 2017 to 2018. Yeah. Like it was just this rotating cast of guys. And you just never knew what you had because they kept having to put you – know, it was just basically there was another leak in the dike and you just had to put your thumb in it. And, you know, right. you just kept – you know, you're the little Dutch boy just going through everything. And it wasn't until 2019 where just everyone was healthy. And suddenly you turn around you had like 10 guys with starting experience. And so not only did you have a really good line with tons of experience, you had a ton of experience depth. And – I think that's kind of paying off this year where a lot of the freshmen and sophomore were able to just learn their positions last year and not get thrown to the wolves. And, yeah. and that happened to a lot of guys on that 2019 line. They had been thrown to the wolves earlier in their career and it, you know, it worked out like, you know, but Cushionberry, I mean, he, he was starting as a freshman at center and that's not supposed to happen. Right. That isn't supposed to happen. And, I remember Austin Deculus really got thrown to the wolves. Yes. Even in 2017, I remember he started the Florida game, the one where they – right right when they had just lost to Troy. Yeah. And, and he got murdered. He got yeah, murdered. And, at the and he, I think his reputation – I think some LSU fans have kind of never gotten over his early – thrown to the wolves period. He's a better player now. Like he just He's a much better player, but he still kind of get he still kind of gets beaten to the edge a lot by really really good SEC. Yeah. I, I think the difference is, is if you have a guy who plays early and he doesn't dominate, you can tell that he's not going to be a star. Right. And, and Deculus isn't going to be our best lineman. If he is, you're in serious trouble. That but, is a problem. And that's why I was concerned that he was the only returning one. I thought I thought Sadiq Charles was going to come back. But, yeah, well, Ed Ingram's coming back, and he, you know right. he. Is, but yeah, behind that you have just a bunch of guys who have played. You know, Cameron Wire seen a little bit of action. Yeah, I don't know if Charles Turner has played any, but you know, there's just 
there, there are some guys who have at least seen the, seen the field. And I really want to see if Cardell Thomas can ever make it because he's a yeah, guy. He's, he's very gifted. Yeah. He's got to get his weight under control, but he's very, very gifted. Yeah, and if he's one of those guys, I mean, he's still a redshirt freshman, so I don't want to rely on him. I'm glad he's not in the starting lineup, but he's a guy that I would like to see push for time. It's one thing yeah. to play as a freshman when you do it option, you know, when you force your way to the lineup rather than you're in the lineup because there is no choice. Right. I mean, you couldn't not play. This is a this is a terrible example because it's so unique. But you couldn't not play Derek Stingley. Yeah. Yeah. Although you don't you don't get freshmen like Der- Derek Stingley was an NFL corner coming out of high school. Yeah, he's, Derek, I think he's the Eric Gilbert of corners. I, I forget that. <laughs> I, I'm going to go. Derek Stingley is the greatest LSU cornerback in the school's history, and we've had some cornerbacks. Uh, well, I, it, it it depends how you how you look at that. If best career, I don't know if well, yeah, he hasn't had best career yet. He, is, he still does a freshman, but I'm talking. Talent, impact straight away. Derek Stingley is the best corner I have ever seen at LSU. If I need, if I, if I, if I need to stop, there's three minutes left, and not Joe Burrow, but Tua is is well. Hopefully, he's not against Devonte Smith, but Tua is leading a you know three minute drive to go win the game. Which LSU corner from all time do I want playing on the boundary? It's I I don't know. It's it's. I know you want to think Peterson. Uh, Peterson's, you know, uh, and but that's how good I think Derek Stingley is. Derek right. Stingley is him or Peterson is he's crazy. Yeah, and you know, if if you want to say, you know, adjust for era, I mean, I think Tommy Casanova has a case. Um, I don't think he's as physically gifted as those other guys, but I mean, he was also playing in the seventies. Um, I I don't know if Matthew counts as a cornerback. No, Ty- Tyron Matthew is a good cover corner but he wasn't he he did it was all the other things that made him great i mean and like if you want to talk best career i mean trey white yeah trey, trey white is super underrated in the lsu memory which is surprising especially since he returned punts and yeah i, I don't i don't get how much we've i don't want to say forgotten trey white but we kind of like oh yeah trey white went here and he was really good yeah no, trey, I, i've i've i even back then I was like, when Trey White returned, I was like, what is he doing? I would pick him in the top 15. Yeah, Trey White, it was amazing. And remember, and this is still my favorite LSU stat, Chris Williams holds the the LSU record for interceptions in a game, interceptions in a season, and interceptions in a career. He also holds the SEC record for interceptions in a career. So, father of DBU. You know, tip your caps to the – you know, to the OG. And besides, he played for the Soul Patrol. And that is the greatest nickname for a the unit. Greatest in, I mean, it, Legion of Boom is garbage compared yeah. to Soul Patrol. Soul Patrol is so great that uh, I'm just, yeah. I, I wish we could still call, forget this DBU stuff. We should still call them the Soul Patrol. That's yeah, so Ohio great. State, Ohio State, like, realized they weren't going to win the DBU argument. So they started calling them Best in America. We need to go back to the Soul Patrol and let like Florida have DBU, like the third. Yeah, like yeah, because that gets a little bit in the swag. And we'll just now shift over to like talking on the defense. It's gonna be another great secondary. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, Todd Harris is gonna be healthy, and I don't know if he's gonna gonna start. I think he'll start. He'll I, I start. mean, game one, yes, but 
game eight. Is Todd Harris starting or do you Maurice think Maurice Tolls? They love Jordan Tolls. I yeah. love Jordan Tolls in recruiting. <laughs> it might be Jordan Tolls. But he's also kind of a Stevens, where they're kind of the same player. You know, you look at Jacoby Stevens, who I love, and the safety position, it has so much depth. There's Tolls, Maurice Hampton. You know, you have Stevens and Harris right now as your starters. But you look at the cornerback, obviously Stingley is in ink, you know, held chiseled in stone. He's Cordell Flott got beat. He got beat up a little bit last year, but I think he was also a freshman playing. I have a lot of faith in Cordell Flott. So you, he had the normal freshman year for a very good player. He got burnt on some plays, but he made some big plays. He all showed the, all, all the PDF or uh, PDF, all the PFF metrics were very, very high on Cordell Flott. Yeah, he, he he was he was really good. He just wasn't you know he wasn't Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton, and so he got picked on a little bit and. But I mean, you look at the rest of that rock. I mean, Jay Ward's coming back. Um, I like Jay Ward. I think he's. I think he's a playable player. And you know, I, I'm. I'm hoping just because I love his name so much, Red Darius Jones. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, he's he's buried. Yeah, he's buried. But God, I need that guy to play just because I need a guy named Radar to play. I'm sorry, that's. But yeah, if you have Derek Stingley out there, I, I have faith with him against any unit in the country. I think the difference with this year is guys got pushed up the roster because so many guys graduated. I'm really confident about our starting lineup. It's when you can start getting to the depth. Yeah, I mean, if there are injuries on the offensive line, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, and I, I think the same way on D, like secondary, you want to start getting the second string, start to worry. Linebacker, I mean, I just don't know who these guys are. You know, once you get past you know, that top three. And that top three is awesome. That are good in the future, but do I want to throw them to the wolves right now? Certainly not. I will say the starting I the starting linebackers Amazingly are, good. They are good. They're gonna yeah. be really good. Uh, I mean they might they, they if they had a full off season, they might be better than last year's group. Because Jabril I think Jabril Cox is as good as Patrick Queen was. That's that's some high praise, but Patrick I, Queen wasn't. I, I will I, I will see see where you're going with that because Patrick Queen it took him time to become Patrick Queen. He, he was kind of I mean he was good in the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, oh my god! Yeah, he was unbelievable. He was ridiculous. The, but yeah, I'm with you. Jabril Cox is just thinking about Jabril Cox is when I was watching him at North Dakota State, they would put him in the slot to man up on receivers. Which is ridiculous. I mean, he's not going to do that in the SEC, but he was. He would be. He, he was. Only, he wasn't quite Isaiah Simmons because he never had any of the safety, the safety reps. But he was a very expanded off-ball linebacker. In a way that I mean, it, it, I think if you put him there and not Patrick Queen, I think Jabril Cox goes. Not this is not a knock on Patrick Queen because Patrick Queen. Not Great only player. was he fantastic last year, he's been really good so far in the NFL. So, like, but I think if you put Jabril Cox there last year, Jabril Cox is playing for the Ravens right now. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And Damone Clark, he was unbelievable. Yeah, he was one of our best linebackers last year. Micah Baskerville is a very is is really really talented. Um, 
Devonta Lee's good backup. I mean, he's so young. There, there's still chance that he can develop into the player we want him to be. It's just after that it gets. Yeah, Josh White is not ready to pr- ready to play, even though I think he is going to be really good. You know, Ray Thornton. He's a program guy. I mean, he's. He, I'm not nervous if he's on the field, but he's not a playmaker. Right. You know, and that's. Is he playing outside linebacker? Or is he playing defensive? He's playing inside. I think he's backing up Clark, isn't he? Because we're going back to the four three now, so I think they're moving him to the inside. Right. We are going back. Wraith. Wraith. Wraith Orton. Oh, he's moving to inside linebacker. You're yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to inside. Because I, I always get him. I always. I always get him mixed up with Andre Anthony. Yeah. Because at Orgeron, it's like you know, it's like all right. Coach O, tell us about, you know, players you think you could play on at this position. He's like, they would always list people, and he'd be like, Andre Anthony, Ray Thornton, and they just became the same person to me. And, you know, and that goes right into the next thing. It's like, you look at the, the change of the 4-3, you know, Andre Anthony is going to be starting on the edge along with Trevez Moore, and, I mean, yeah, they've talked him up for a while, but Neither of them have really done anything in their career. Right. And I, I, we'll see if they just need to be down defensive ends because the 3-4 the outside linebacker edge rusher is a different position yeah. slightly. Uh, but at the same time, I think B.J. Ojolari has taken one of their spots by the end of the year. Yeah, and that's where you, know, you look at the inside – you know, you have Logan and, you know, Ica. I'm feeling pretty good about our defense. Yeah, they're, they're fine inside. I yeah, so. Inside. They have uh, Logan, Logan Ica, and um, Neil Farrell just came back. Yeah, yeah Farrell, and you don't know whether he's going to play the end or the tackle position. He can kind of go back and forth. I mean, he's just. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean he's over 300. You don't like to see a defensive, a rush defensive end over 300. Farrell over 300? Yeah, the, the, he's listed as a defensive end, but. Well, because he was a defensive end last year in yeah. that four tech. Yeah, as a three four, but gap stuffer Dave Aranda role that Ed Orgeron secretly, not secretly hated. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with him. I'm not a huge fan of the three four. I mean, he's right around. Like last year, he played at like he played at two ninety eight last year, so he's right around three hundred. Yeah, yeah, you can have you can have a three hundred pound three tech like Aaron Donald's three hundred. Not to compare yeah. it to Aaron Donald. Yeah, just you know, and the four three, that that seems more like a defensive tackle. It's right. It, it's and, he's and a think, guy who might get squeezed out by the system. Uh, I you know, but at the same time as we were saying before, this is your audition for the NFL. I, I think he wants to show that he can play. I think he could play three tech, and you have like you have your two defensive ends. You have your like one or zero tech in in the middle, which is going to be Ika. Or would have been Shelvin, and I mean there was hopefully I would love to see Shelvin come back. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that that changes a lot if Shelvin comes back. That would be wonderful because I thought he was going to have a breakout year. But you know I'm kind of confident in Glenn Logan. I'm not you know too. Yeah, worried. I have no problem with Glenn Logan. I love Glenn Logan. Yeah, so like yeah, there's no real for me then it just becomes a good rotation because you could never have too many defensive tackles. Right. I just don't know if they have. Until Jacqueline Roy develops, because I think he's going to be a freak. I think he should have been a five star. When he until he develops, I don't know if they have a great pass rusher on that line though, and that's yeah. that kind of concerns me a little bit. And, and look, you need 
if we're saying that's a qu- quarterback is the most important position on the field, you counteract that with pass rushing, particularly yeah, yeah. in college. You, you need to rush the passer. Yeah, you need to be able to get to the quarterback anywhere because in college, much more than the NFL, college quarterbacks make bad decisions when they get rushed. Yeah, they really like, do. You can empty the, the you know, things break can, down a lot more. Yeah, and also like you, you know, you can empty, you know, the kitchen sink and go after a quarterback and just dare him to find the open receiver. And in the NFL, you'll get killed doing that because if you're an NFL quarterback, you can find the open receiver. I mean, even yeah, a that, bad that, NFL quarterback can do that. But in college, it's a very short list of guys who can do that, which is, you know, why a guy like Mullen's been so successful in college because, you know, he'll just throw everything at you and just be like, make the play. Yeah, and it's why it's why you know him, Todd Grantham's defense got so murdered by Joe Burrow last year. Yeah. yeah, it happened to Georgia too. It happened to Alabama. Like the thing about facing the LSU offense last year is teams would try, you know, dropping eight, and then they would start rushing six, and it didn't matter because they had a plan for everything on every concept, and it was just not fair. It was not fair. They didn't have a weakness, and they had a plan for every single. Yeah, I mean, they had a plan, but also they had the personnel. Right. Yeah, like because we tend we, we tend to overrate the plan. You need a plan, and I'm not, I don't want to say that you know tactics aren't important because they are. But you know, and we definitely know that at LSU, where we've seen a team that was just stuck in 1970 for so long. But on the flip side, talent wins out. It is the most important. You know, Jimmy's and Joes are more important than X's and O's. That's. I mean, that's definitely true. And Joe Burrow and his processing and ability to you know abandoned his progression when pressure came and hit the hot route from where that pressure, you know, where that pressure vacated that allowed you to have that plan. I, I, I would love to see miles Brennan be able to, to do that and hit his hots and whatnot. Hopefully you learn from Burrow. Hopefully you learned playing in that system last year. I want I, to at least do it to a degree, to a, a to an effective degree. It's not going to be Burrow, but if he can do that, that's going to stop defenses from blitzing. It could not have hurt. How about that? Right. You know, learning from a guy like sitting behind Burrow certainly helped Miles Bryant. Yeah, I mean, I, I the, I'd be a little bit afraid of him trying too hard uh, and getting some some of that Trevor Lawrence syndrome from the beginning of last year. But I, I, I don't know. I think I think Orgeron's probably done a very good job of making sure that he understands his expectations and understands that he needs to be Miles Bryant and he doesn't need to be Joe Burrow. All right, and with that, it's a 10-game season. Starts with Mississippi State, and let's not worry too much ourselves with a Mississippi State preview. Oh, I don't want that to come back to bite us. Yeah, no, because Mississippi, Mississippi State's a good team. Yeah, They're a team that's always kind of given us fits, in, particularly in recent years. But 10-game schedule, you, know, you have Florida and Auburn are your biggest road games. You get Alabama at home. Also, you have A&M on the road again. Yeah, but that doesn't count because Kyle Field's going to be basically empty. That's true. Assuming we play all 10 games. Let's not, you know. Yeah, 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 that's true. Well, let's just say, assume we play all 10 games. What is your measure of success for this season? Um, I would love, this may be a little, I I wouldn't be devastated at 7-3. and three. I 8-2, and two, I would be like, you know what, yeah, we can, we're still very good. Um, we, but... If I, I think six and four would be bad, even if like, 
even if we have, you know, all the excuses in the world, I just don't want to deal with people that are like, oh, I knew it. It was a fluke. It's never going to happen again. Yeah, I'm actually right on board with you. Seven and three is, is kind of my acceptable line. If they go seven and three, I'm not planning a parade, but I'm not upset. And they go eight and two. I'll be like, all right, you know what? That was a pretty good encore year. And honestly, your team was raided by the NFL. I, yeah, that they lost so many players to the NFL. I think for me, the key is get starting fast. Mississippi State, right. Vanderbilt, Missouri. You have to be three and zero at that point. Yeah, well, they, if they're not three and zero, then it's a disaster area. Yeah, we're we're in for a very long year if they're not three and zero. And honestly, you know, if you can beat Florida, you know, if you want to be five and zero with top five win over Florida. I will be very very pleased. Yeah, you want to be 5-0 because, you know, you get to South Carolina, and that's when you get to the real, you know, Auburn, Alabama, okay, Arkansas, a and I mean, Florida, I, I think Florida is as good as any of them, honestly. Yeah, I do too. But, you know, I – The total scheme continuity, they're not installing anything. So no, I agree ready. with you. Florida's awesome. If they, I'm, I'm saying, if we can get past Florida, I think – Yeah. That's a uh, – I think if we could only lose to Florida and start – because I, I think we'll beat Auburn. I don't really trust Auburn. I don't think Bo Nix is very good. At least yet. You never know with Auburn. Uh, what's their prediction? What have they picked? I'm going to go the complete opposite. Are every, they... time, every time Auburn is supposed to be good, they suck. And every time they're exactly the SEC, they win the SEC. So. It, it's the law of Auburn. They, they... I hate Auburn. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. You're going to fit in great here if you hate Auburn. That's I went to middle school with a kid who was obnoxious and a huge Auburn fan. His parents went there. And I hated him. I hate Auburn. Oh, God, it's music to my ears. <laughs> God, I hate him so much. Uh, I don't hate him as much as I hate Texas A&M. But. That's fair. Right. You know, that that's my weakness. I, I, I'm, I don't hate the Aggies that much. I kind of find them amusing. I did, and, until, I did until they made those cups. Oh, no. See, for me, it was just like, God, you guys are just – you, you just want us to kick your ass, don't you? <laughs> like, what were they doing with that? Like, it wasn't that they beat us, and I don't want to relive that game too they much. They didn't. Yeah, like it was. We got robbed. And the thing is, what I liked about it is afterwards, the college football world kind of agreed Dude, we got knew. robbed. They we didn't still really got a New Year's Six game. Yeah, it was, inco- it was inconsequential. And if you looked at the polling, LSU basically everyone said that that loss didn't count. Right. We understand you got robbed. And we're like, okay, as long as everyone understands, that's cool. But for a to start bragging about that game, I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like, that's not the kind of win you thump your chest about. We're just like, we're going to kill you. And yeah. I have never been more confident in a game than LSU A&M last year. And I don't mean just that week. I mean, on September the first, I'm like, we're <laughs> yeah, gonna play a to go to that- yeah, I'm up we're- here in Connecticut, and I was like, when after they lost Texas A&M, I, I was like, because the funny thing is about the Texas A&M game, that's when I found out that there's a limit for how much you can tweet in a 24 hour period. There is. <laughs> yeah, because I had a, I had an, I had a meltdown after that game, <laughs> which is terrible because it didn't count, but like. And I and I I was tweeting. It's like I'm going to be there for this game. I'm going to be there. I'm painting my entire my entire body, and I'm smuggling in a trombone and playing neck. I'm going to lose my mind. I didn't end up going because I couldn't figure it out with the schedule. But like, I knew that 
it was going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, what was so great about it is it wasn't just that the fans were ticked. Because sometimes games happen and you know as fans, you're just like, ah, that one just, I'm so angry by this one. We got robbed. But from the way the players talked about it from day one, and even Ed talked about that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, we got robbed. They didn't beat us. We got screwed. And we're going to kill these guys next year. And it was beautiful. It was the perfect confluence of events. And honestly, the second half, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't run it up because we went easy on them in the second half. We could have won that game by 100. They should have. I was just, every time they scored, I was just tweeting more points in all caps, like some kind of Neanderthal. Yeah, no, it was worth I, I don't think I've ever, yeah. It, but for me, that was a professional killing. Like, uh, like as far as I'm concerned now, the debt has been paid. It's all been settled. And A&M has learned their lesson about, you know, trash talking, a sort of win. You do that again, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna put you in your place again. I mean, just Joe, just Joe Burrow went during that week during the the press conference. He's like, so Joe, what uh, what makes or somebody asked something along the lines of, what makes you so excited about this game? He's like, chance to go twelve and zero, and drinks the water. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, they're going to get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was so beautiful. Uh, just everyone on that team was so – and also it was like they hung on to it. They were angry about that game for 365 days. Uh, I love that team. They were, uh, they, yeah, it, it, it was beautiful. And they were the most likably arrogant team I've ever seen play sports. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah, because the thing is the teams they beat weren't exactly lovable themselves. It's one thing if you're arrogant and you're playing other arrogant teams. Like they were arrogant against Alabama. Like, it's hard for any neutral fan to sit around going, oh, man, I can't believe they're trash-talking Alabama. That's not right. Right, like, and, and the funny thing is, Justin Jefferson said something. I forgot what he said during that week, and I was like, look, he's not trash-talking Texas here. This is Alabama. This is There's a 70% chance that ages poorly. But, I mean, there was a 0% chance because they knew they were going to win. And they should have yeah. won by more. Yeah, yeah. It's just they should have won by more. I don't know why Dave Aranda was playing man free with like a two score lead and a minute and a half left. I think what made them so arrogant, what they did is they were great at responding. Like it wasn't like they would fire the first shot, but they'd fire the last one. It was sort of like Texas with the blowing his jersey with the cannon. He's like, okay, mental note. And and they put the band in the uh, in the oh, the rafters. It was so uh, it was so bush league. And they, you know, they see the locker room. Oh, yeah, so mad. And yeah. And you know, he was just taking these mental notes. He's just like, nope, when I beat you, it's coming up. Or like the Vanderbilt game. We're not going to trash talk Vanderbilt, but that guy hit him out of bounds and started yeah. jawing to him. And he just, you know, pointed to the scoreboard, but he also said, I'm now going to hang 50 on you. <laughs> and he did. And he walked <laughs> like, the Vanderbilt sideline at a game that was over and just put up five fingers on him. It was so funny. It's just like, dude, don't poke the bear because the bear bites. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think I, they have to maintain that. They that needs to become a program thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's kind of Ed's attitude. I mean, there is a edge and arrogance to them. And... Yeah, it's the uh, it's the roll tide what f you thing. Like that's Ed Orgeron. And also, like it's also bled into other sports. It's sort of like uh, um, basketball, where you know Will Wade is. You know, Will Wade's a gangster. Like, that's, that's his true. thing. He's just like, bring it on. I don't care. We'll, we'll wear the black hat. We don't care. We'll, anytime, anywhere. I don't care if you hate us. And 
I, I think there's kind of a swagger about all of the programs right now. And it, they're taking their lead from football. And that's really cool. And yeah, there's an there's a line. You can go over it where you can start being a jerk. But last year was about there was so many revenge games. Like a lot of those yeah. wins were personal. It wasn't like they were they weren't trash talking everybody. They were trash talking teams <laughs> that you know they, they were paying them back. And, and I think there's something to be said for that. And, yeah, I mean, I it was weird how little trash talking there was during the Florida week because that was such a personal game for Joe Burrow. Yeah. But that that was that was more that was more of a, you know of, that was more surgery than it was murder. Yeah, God, it's just they left him on the operating table. <laughs> and after we've now murdered our patient, let's go to the question bag. Do you have access to him? I have the questions. All right, let's. Uh... Jacob Hibbard wants to know. How do we not let Joe Burrow and the 2019 offense ruin future quarterback play and offensive output forever? That's a tough one because, one, it kind of did, but at the same time, you kind of have to, uh, you kind of have to uh, take yourself to therapy a little bit and just talk to yourself and understand that it's not. You, you have to. You kind of have to rationalize. You have to realize. All right, not every year can be like that. Let's compare it to other quarterbacks. Uh, let's put up points. Let's win games. And if those things happen, uh, we don't have to compare it to 2019. But same time, we're going to freak out about the uh, like Miles Brennan's going to throw an interception, and we're going to freak out. Also, what might happen is it might be third and seven, and we might run the ball. Oh no! I can't. And that's going to just drive people insane. There might be—I'm not saying we're, they're going to be run happy, but there might be a time that Ed plays field position. And no, that that can never—it will happen. And you're right, but I don't want you to be. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's going to be frequent because I do think this team is still going to attack. But there's going to be the occasional tactical decision of like, hey, let's just give them the ball back, and you know, we'll we'll keep fighting. And. That I think is the thing that's going to ruin people because we're so used to hey it's third and fifteen I don't care we're you know, yeah exactly. we're airing it out like third and fifteen is the same as you know second and two I love that so much yeah they, they're gonna they're gonna run on second and eight at one point and I'm really gonna hate it dude they're gonna run on first and ten and that's like, you're gonna hate it I know I'm gonna hate it the the thing is like it's I think in in year two of Miles Brennan. With a more experienced offensive line and the fact and Eric Gilbert in his second year, which is again ridiculous. I think we're gonna kinda get back toward that a little bit. I agree. Uh, but at the same time, I mean it's 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 gonna look a little disjointed. Um but I still think it's gonna be pretty good. I think Yeah, I think, we're we're not going back to twenty twelve. Zach Nuttenberger yeah. was pretty yeah. good. Oh, yeah, he was. Okay, yeah. we're not going back to 2014. You're right. Of the, all the years I can oh pick, I picked the year that, that met. Was, that was the basement. Yeah, of... we, we're, we are not going to suddenly become a power run team. It, it's The transition has been made, and I think as long as people see that, I think they're going to be okay with it. I'm not going wood on that. But at the same time, yes, you cannot expect Joe Burrow. That, that he was a singular talent. And I, I think knowing that he is so special – is kind of what's going to make people able to accept it. Exactly, yeah. And the thing is, like, it's 
Joe Burrow was so good that Trevor Lawrence exists, and I can unequivocally say that Joe Burrow was a much better quarterback. And that's crazy because I thought Trevor Lawrence was the greatest college quarterback I'd ever seen. Trevor yeah, Lawrence is yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is he he's very he's very bionic. I mean, he was built in a lab, and he's still worse than Joe Burrow, who was you know a medium at best arm. Uh, he's certainly tall, but like he's not he's not built in a lab. It's, it's just that his brain and his understanding of you know how to react to things super quickly and process complicated coverages quickly and just that ridiculous accuracy. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it, and the fact that he is better than, in my opinion, the most physically gifted college quarterback since Cam Newton is crazy. And that's, that's, yeah. it's, that shouldn't happen, especially since the, you know, Trevor Lawrence plays against middle schoolers and Joe Burrow is still better. And he was playing against, the SEC. I, I do think that's the big difference is that – and honestly, I think that's what made Burrow better is that you you play against that kind of talent. It forces you to get better. Yeah, and I think that's sort of showed up a little bit for Clemson in the playoff because they were calling their offenses like – like they were just throwing sideline fades and speed outs and stuff like they were playing against middle schoolers, and LSU was calling an NFL offense. Yeah, and that's the difference, and it, it hurts you. And honestly, that's what why Florida State back in the '90s was always in the top five, but rarely won the title. It's because when they finally had to play a top tier team outside the state of Florida, they just weren't used to that kind of battle. Yeah, we got to trade. We got to trade uh, Clemson to the to the SEC East for like Kentucky. Yeah, you know, look, they're a basketball school. Ship them over, to, you know, basketball land. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I, also, yeah. get us Virginia Tech while we're on the while we're doing the trade. I, I uh, want, Virginia Tech. I, I want that. Uh, I, I want that road trip. Blacksburg is a lot of fun. Yeah. See, I, I, I mean, the only I, I've I've been to the only college football. Oh, I've been to a lot of UConn basketball games. I mean, a million. But like, the only college football home game I've ever been to because I've been to a couple LSU bowl games. I went to, but I went to the 2017. Uh, Texas A&M game when they, they beat the crap out of him. Matt Canada's offense finally came together right before he got fired. Yeah. And that was it. So, like, I, I don't know anything about atmospheres besides oh. that. Blackbeard's, Blackbeard's great. You know, got to go. So, anyway, what's our next question? Okay, Brad Falk says, LSU football had a little baggage over the last decade. What baggage did the 2019 team eliminate for you? And how long do you think this high from 2019 will last? I will be in a Teflon state for about four years, he thinks. I think there's two bits of baggage it gets rid of. The first is the Alabama baggage. I I think that's the biggest one. Uh, LSU had a huge hang-up that it couldn't beat Bama, which was a little unfair because no one could beat Bama. But for some reason, it was like, oh, well, LSU can't beat them. I'm like, well, no one else is doing it either. So... Because we really we needed to for to get where yes. we, where we because wanted to go. It's it because LSU Arkansas beat Alabama. It's because LSU was running for was playing for national titles and it got crashed ashore every November. You know the first week of November. So I think that's the biggest one. I think this year we play Alabama and there's no longer a thing about that game. I mean it's still a huge game and there's still Alabama, but. 
I don't think there's quite the mental block. And I think there was a mental block there. And the second thing, I think there's just finally we have joined the modern era of offense. Uh, I, I don't, we're not going to be Joe Burrow. This ties into the last question. You're not going to see that again because that was special. But we're also not going to go back to three yards in a cloud of dust. And yeah. that, and that's, that's important. I, I think people needed that. I mean, the funny thing is, there are like three schools that still do that. Iowa still does it. Wisconsin still does it. That's it. I mean, Georgia's on the way out of it. And look, I'm a big fan of zigging when everybody else zags. So I don't think it's a bad strategy. I think the difference is, is LSU recruits at such a level. They don't. Yeah, you don't. They shouldn't be one of the teams that zags. I think Wisconsin zagging is brilliant. Kinda, but like, if you're gonna do that, just run the option, run the triple option, be fun. Yeah, uh, you know, but they're trying to win, and Wisconsin's been very successful. So I'm not gonna knock how Wisconsin does things. But the thing is, they can't recruit the kind of talent that Ohio State does. That's true. Yeah, and, and so they have this identity, and I think it allows them to get elite running backs, but also like just these you know big corn fed guys from the farm, and that's Wisconsin's identity. And that way they don't have to compete with Ohio State and Michigan for, you know, the best athletes. And they can still compete with them because they have a different way of playing. The problem is LSU can compete with Alabama for athletes. So why are we trying to, to zag? Yeah, there's no need to because we can oh, play them straight up. Miles wanted both to come out, of the, out from the grave and, you know, shake his hand and say, you've done it. You've, ca- you know, you've carried on my legacy. I mean, yeah, but like Mississippi State, if they, if they want to run the ball, which they won't because, you know, Mike Leach, but uh, if Mississippi State wants to be a power run team, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, they, would, they would never be able to block, block well enough to do it. It would get shut out in the SEC, and that's what happens when – that's what happens because the thing is throwing the ball is more efficient and more effective. It's – I think if you can do it, you do it. But I think if you're going to be in the SEC and you're running the ball from the eye, you're going to get you're going to get swallowed. If you're going to run the ball, it's got to be like there's this this offense um, called the go-go offense that's starting to get some buzz. Uh, that's going to be the future of running the ball. It's 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 almost a combination of the spread option and the triple option, and it's really really cool. Uh, that's what that's what I think the next zag is going to be. That's good, Wisconsin. Yeah. No, of course. No, Wisconsin's their own thing. They're, you know, but I am a big fan of people who do things differently. So I, I never think it's bad to do something differently, but there, there should be logic behind it. You shouldn't do something differently just because. Yeah. I mean, like, LSU did things differently last year. It, it, they, you know, they were a spread team like all the other teams, but they were running legit NFL concepts with, and they were one of the only teams that was in exclusively five man protections they were do- so they were doing like they were they they adapted Sean Payton's offense to the spread so they were doing things a little bit differently but it's and we'll see how much they can keep of that without Brady uh, that is yeah yeah but it's you know I, it's, I, I think the, I, I think Ed Springer understands it I think yeah, he knows I think that's that the thing it, it's not like fun. the knowledge goes away is kind of my thing it's like he, he leaves a notebook behind. You know, you, you can, you've seen the cheat sheet. It's not like suddenly your brain is white clear. It might not be as good, but I think the concepts are still there, and the concepts are the most important part. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, Brad Falk also wants to know, what is a greater accomplishment? The golden age LSU is in right now, or the dynasties we've seen during this golden age, such as USC, Florida, Bama, and now Clemson? Brad argues that playing in four national championships over 20 years is better than two to three national championships in a five-year window. Uh, An unpopular thing I like to say is that this Alabama team is the greatest dynasty in college football history. It just is. Uh, What they have done is so ridiculous. I don't think – it's driven LSU fans insane because they're in our same division. But if you take a step back, what they have done is truly mind-boggling and – what they have the number one recruiting class for like seven straight years. And that's not supposed to happen. That said, now this gives me a column idea, which I now need to write down in a notebook so I don't forget it. Hmm. But it is very, very rare for the guy who follows a guy to win a title. So if you win a title and you replace him, even if that second guy is really good, he doesn't often win a title himself. But for the guy to follow a guy and then have another guy then win a title three in a row, that's incredibly rare. Especially a guy who was a reject at Ole Miss who failed miserably and publicly. And just yeah. the redemption arc behind that was – and the fact that he was able to take over this program and continue that streak was – it's not like they got – it's not like they got Nick Saban falling into their laps like Alabama did after after the yeah, Dolphins. Yeah. To nail three hires in a row like that and – None of them to stay like 20 years. So it's not like, you know, at Alabama, at uh, Nebraska, you know, where you had Tom Osborne. Um, no, I can't remember um, Nebraska's great coach before Tom Osborne. That makes me feel like an idiot. But, you know, you go from great coach to great coach. It makes sense. Like if they were there for like 40 years. But, you know, you, they went saving Miles to Orgeron in a pretty short amount of time, right. all three of them have won a title. That's – God, that, I don't know how many times that's happened in college football history. Not many. I mean, did Miami do it? Did Schnellenberger win a title? Jimmy Johnson? I have and no then Eric, And Erickson probably won one. But, you know, that's – and also, it's not like they won one with the remnants of the last guy's title. It's not like – Ed came in and won one in his first year. He had to rebuild the program almost. He did have to. He did. From a talented base that kept it afloat in the meantime, but honestly barely because they lost to Troy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I still don't think it's the Alabama. Uh, the Alabama dynasty is, is so amazing. It, it Really, its only competition is, you know, some of those Oklahoma teams, you know, from the 50s and 60s. I mean, that's it. That's pretty much the conversation. But this is really, when you put it like that, like Brad's right. This is a truly remarkable accomplishment. Yeah, it is. I would think, too, looking at the other teams that Brad put out there, yes, I agree with you, Poser, that you know, Bama's definitely a special case. But, yeah, I would definitely argue that what LSU has accomplished in the last 20 years is greater than what USC, Florida, or Clemson have accomplished up to this point. Now, you know, let's look at Clemson in another 15 years, and then we could revisit that conversation to see where they are. But, you know, outside the last five years, Clemson hasn't been much of anything up to that point. So That's true. Yeah, yeah right now they're Trevor Lawrence. Right. Let's see what happens when Sean Watson – 
who was honestly, you could make an argument that he was even better. Yeah, I mean, and now they have you know DJ last name. I'll figure out how to pronounce halfway through the season. Who's not going to be? I don't think he's going to be as good as those other guys, but he's going to be really good. They're going from five star to five star to five star, and honestly, Bama is too with a little bit of a Mac Jones in the middle because they're going Tua, who is a five star, to Bryce Young, who I think is a is a Heisman finalist when he gets his chance. So they, I, I don't think Clemson is just Trevor Lawrence. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying they haven't won. I mean, the three year window where they've just been championship game every year. Yeah, that's it, 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 that's the Trevor Lawrence era. And like, I, well, Deshaun was in the championship game. Yeah, right? Deshaun was. Yeah, he was in. I'll, I'll give him credit as well. And look, they're a great program. But again, I do think there's an element of playing in the ACC and yeah, that's for, true. They, they for a state. Completely imploding has really helped out Clemson. Yeah, um, they have a free pass to the playoff. They have to, it's they pull the card and it's like skip right to the college football playoff. And you know, but I think it hurts them when they get to the college football playoffs. So I, yeah, it does. I, I, it's kind of what's happened to Oklahoma, where I don't know the, if it's the same because Oklahoma can't play defense, and that's pretty that, clear for most of the year. That's true, but <laughs> Oklahoma has a problem where the Big Twelve has kind of fallen off behind them. And and they don't – they need Texas to be better. They do. And I think – I hope that game is fun this year. I think it will be. I, I think Texas is oh – God, I hate to say it. Am I going to say the words, is Texas back? <laughs> I don't know if they're back. I think they're going to be good this year. If, if they're going to be back, they have to be good for more than one year. And also, look, Baylor gave them a run last year. I mean, Baylor almost beat them in the Big 12 championship game. And, yeah, they played great defense. And, and they did that without a functional good. offense. Yeah, they did it with like – Charlie Brewer, who isn't even that good in the first place, went down in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah, they they just... That's when I knew that Jalen Hurts was not nearly as good as his two predecessors. That's when I really knew. Yeah, and look, you know, what I like about Baylor is they're really good at exploiting their track program. So they're really good about bringing in burners. Guys, they bring in athletes. Yeah, they do. And you you don't think about that at Baylor, but they have a great track program, so they get guys who can. Hey, you know, why don't you you know play a little bit of football while you try out for the Olympics? And from there, they were able to build on to like better football players, and, and they've become a real program in the absence of Texas being great. And they've been the prime beneficiary of Texas's fall. Oklahoma, I think, needs Texas to be better, just because you need that game, and. Yeah, I agree. You know, they don't want them to, they don't want Texas to be great again, but you know, they want Texas to get back up to eight, nine wins every year. Yeah, they they don't want Colt McCoy back or anything, but yeah, they they need they need a major foil and it's really good and that's also really good for recruiting. You know, you need to bring you don't want to bring all like like when Alabama had all the recruits to the LSU game last year, like they don't want and, and all the LSU players went over to him, but the <laughs> you don't want you don't want to bring kids to you know you playing TCU and winning sixty two nothing at halftime. Like yeah, because even if you lose, the outcome of the game doesn't really matter for recruiting because you know there's a pitch either way. You win, well, you're like look, we're the best. And if you lose, yeah. like hey, if you would have played here, you we would have won. We need you. Um, but you want those atmospheres. And if you're a kid, yeah. it's got to be enticing. Uh, go to an LSU Alabama game and be like, "This is amazing!" Like, 
uh, why would I want to go to any other school than one of these two? That's going to be, it's going to be, you know, tough for recruiting this year because you're going to take them to games like, listen to this atmosphere. It's just seven guys in the stands. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough recruiting year. And Ed's a master recruiter, so I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, like. No, the our, big programs are just going to come out on top again. I mean, it's like, it's going to be tough for everyone, but it's going to be, it's like that line in Animal Farm. You know, all the animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. That's exactly right. And right now we're more equal than others. Right. And that, I think, is the place to end it. Yeah, I don't mind that. Always, always down to quote Animal Farm. Yeah, I'm down with an Orwell quote. So, with that, go Tigers, and brush up on your Orwell. It might come in handy over the next couple of years. Definitely do so. <laughs> Should be rock